Save the good stuff. Save the good stuff. Oh, Je oh my God. All right, Bridget's in the control room and there's pandemonium. Good God. <sighs> Hi everybody, I'm Kai Rizdal, I think. I don't know, welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. Amid the pandemonium, I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Uh, today we just have some news fixes and a make me smile that's already oh making the both of it's, us it, chuckle. It, it is uh, a make me smile for the ages. And we're all going straight to H-E double toothpicks, but that's a whole different thing. <sighs> toothpicks, not hockey sticks? Oh, is, I, don't, I always thought I heard um, toothpicks, but anywho. Toothpicks are straight. Hockey sticks have... Well, we're not wow. doing we're not doing really? capital H E double hockey sticks. I'm going to oh, lowercase H E. Oh, that's a good point. Right? I never thought of it. I mean, it it's that a bad way. enough place so, to begin with. I don't need to have it capitalized. I have only ever heard H E double hockey sticks, not H E double well, tooth stick toothpicks. As I recall, you had a more faith based upbringing than I did. So this is probably very yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it would be an all caps. Yes, that's right. That it would case. be an all caps kind of thing. Yes. Anyway, All let's right. uh, let's get to it. You do the news first. Go ahead. You got more than I do. All right. So so I have two. It's uh, just one of oh, them. I have the okay. double links on it. Okay. Today uh, there was news out that the United States is being given greater access to some military bases in the Philippines. Uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was over there and made this big announcement that the United States is going to be able to basically rotate troops through these military bases in the South China Sea. Why does this matter? Because it's basically a response to the growing frustration, brinksmanship, uh, fear of war, and other things that are going on with the United States' relationship with China and China's growing footprint, literally and figuratively, given mm -hmm. that they're building islands out there in the South China Sea. The reason this jumped out to me was because we were on here talking not but a couple of weeks ago about the Biden administration trying to sort of tamp things down with China mm -hmm. and like smooth things over mm -hmm. in terms of trade and business relationships. Yeah. But now when it comes to at least the military side of things, they are still moving forward as if China is a, you know, global not necessarily threat, but definitely like some chest oh, puffing yeah. happening. Yeah, I, I think I think threat is not too strong a word, right? I, that's absolutely mm. true. I, I think that's definitely true. I'll Folk take show. the advice of the yeah. Navy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my other one, you know, I, I don't have to tell people that it's Black History Month, mm -hmm. which often um, results in some rather um, trite uh, coverage yeah. in various yeah. media outlets, which has, I, I have to admit, gotten uh, significantly better in, in the last couple of years. But uh, one of the things that's been happening is sort of a reexamination of a lot of the things that way the way that many things have been covered in the past. So you have like the New York Times, I think, going back and kind of redoing obituaries for mm -hmm. people who should have had them at the time. So all of that to set up the story in The Washington Post that came out yesterday, the headline being a black woman invented the home security system, then that. fell into that. obscurity. Yes. Yeah, in 1969, yep. Yep. there was a woman in Queens who basically came up with the idea of the video-based home security system, Marie Van Britten Brown and her husband, Albert Brown. And they filed that patent on August the 1st, 1966. And I think they got the patent yeah, it was approved on December the 2nd, 1969. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of one of these patent illustrations 
in the Washington Post, which is pretty funky looking, but, you know, it basically has the components of the home security systems that we use today. And apparently within the home security industry, she is credited with having the foundations that yielded what we have today and that those patents have been used and cited up in as recently, according to the Post, as 1993. Sorry, sorry, as 2013. Yeah, Hmm. Brown's invention has been cited 36 times by other patent applicants, including as recently as 2013. Um, Neither Brown nor her husband ever filed another patent. So why isn't she more famous? Because at the time that she came up with this, the technology to actually deploy it was way too expensive Uh. for most people. Because we're talking about the 1960s, mm-hmm. not, you know, the n- equipment and the tech needed for right. this was just so far out of the realm of possibility for people. And apparently she never really profited off of the invention and died in 1999, as the Post says, just before her innovation became omnipresent. Oh, man. That's wild. So kind of a bummer, but also cool to know that. Yeah. And now, you know... Yeah. <laughs> I still don't necessarily think any differently about the constant surveillance for surveillance of our, you know, digital security cameras. But you know, the more credit, you know, credit where credits fix. too, right? Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it's really good. I like it actually, and it makes me think of you know, uh, among other unheralded uh, black women of technology and things we take for granted today, the black women who did all the calculations for NASA to get us right? to the moon. You know, it's it's right, the, which it's the same deal. Many of us didn't know about until right. there was a movie. Until there was a, an awesome movie. By the way, mm-hmm. whose name I cannot remember now. God, Hidden Figures. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good film. I got, highly recommend. I got my niece the Lego version of Hidden Figures, and she was oh, that's awesome. N- less than cool. No, I don't think. She no, cared. oh no, she didn't think it was awesome. She... Oh, so now you're the lame auntie. Ah uh, well, basically. Ah uh, well. Oh, it happens. Yes, it does. All right. So um, mine is uh, a little bit off the beaten path uh, for you know business and economics, but we have talked about it on this program, so I think it's germane. Disinformation and how we study it and how we recognize that it's happening. Uh, this was originally reported in the Harvard Crimson, the newspaper uh, up at uh, that university in Cambridge, repeated uh, and amplified by Semaphore, which is the new site from Ben Smith, formerly of the New York Times and BuzzFeed, and Justin Smith, formerly of Bloomberg. Anyway, here's the deal. I'll just read the, read the lead. Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government is shutting down one of the hubs of the American debate over truth and falsehood on the Internet. Nancy Gibbs, the director of the Kennedy, Storns, Kennedy School Shorenstein Center on Media Politics and Public Policy, said in an email obtained by Semaphore Thursday that the Technology and Social Change Project was being shut down for, quote, bureaucratic reasons. Apparently, all those centers at the Kennedy School have to be run by full faculty members, and the woman who was running it was not a full faculty member. That seems to me to be a little bit of a fig leaf, sort of an unfortunate turn of events, because as we know, and as we've talked about on this podcast, we need more study of disinformation and misinformation in this economy and in this society and in our politics. And if we get Mm -hmm. less of it from a leading place like the Kennedy School, which, you know, love it or hate it, they do good work. um, It's really a challenge. It's really a challenge. So I don't know about that. Oh, no, I got nothing else on that. It's um, It's not great. It's a downer. And and it's a a very bad look for Harvard. Very bad look for Harvard. Which is why we need a happy place. That's true. So let's do that, Jay. Hit it. And and, uh, oh, my. (laughs) Go ahead. You go ahead. This one's just all you. So usually I'm so late to like things that happen on the internet that usually by the time I come across it, it's been like taken down or there's so many 
comments on the original thread and so many quote tweets and other threads and side articles that I have to like go down all of these nesting conversations to try to figure out what the original thing that happened was. So I was rather entertained this morning to see in the wild the <laughs> following tweet from an account labeled Pontifex, as in the account of the Pope in the Vatican. And when I read this, you will understand why I thought at first that it was misinformation or disinformation. Mm -hmm. So from Pope Francis at Pontifex. The middle finger, which is higher than the others, reminds us of something essential, honesty. To be honest means not getting entangled in the snares of corruption. Yes, friends, that's right. It seems that the Pope was endorsing giving people the middle finger. And I, I was like, surely not. Surely not. Yes. I looked and it was like blue verified check mark. Well, what does that even mean these days? Okay, but it was labeled Pontifex. It had the link. It had like the tens of millions of followers. I was like, I think this is actually the Pope. And as our newsletter writer Ellen Rolfe has pointed out, it was actually part of a series of tweets from the Pope about the various digits of the hand and I guess what they represent in a religious context. And so it was supposed to be this nice, like, religious, you, moral, mindful thing, but Americans do, ruined it. Uh, Americans, <laughs> America, well, all right. But, but look, do you suppose, and, and obviously it's not uh, His Holiness actually doing the tweeting, or one hopes, because he's got a whole, you know, empire to run. But you have yes. to believe that whoever's running the social media account for the Vatican knows what the middle finger means? Well, it came down pretty quickly uh, after many yes. comments, but... Because I think when I saw it, it had like 500 re retweets, which is another reason I thought it might be fake because yeah. it felt like it should have more. Um, <sighs> but it lives in posterity uh, in this New York Magazine article where uh, they describe it as part of a series in which Francis extolled the virtues of all the various fingers in aphoristic fashion. Um, but something appeared to be lost in translation between the Italian and the English. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what it is. It's a translation error. Oh, yes. my God. As amused responses rolled in, Francis deleted the tweet and replaced it with one that tweaked the original wording, but seemed to carry the same meaning. Possibly. It's still kind of hard to tell what he's trying to say. So here's what the newer one said. The third finger, which is higher than the other others, reminds wow. us of something essential. Honesty. To be honest means to not getting entangled in the snares of corruption. Yeah. But... <laughs> It's still the some, same some, thing. Somebody needs to tell the Pope that the internet is forever. That's all I'm saying. The internet is forever. But I was very entertained because, <sighs> you know, as you saw, because I posted it at the Make Me oh, yeah. Smart channel, I was like, I can't tell if this is a weird cultural miss or if Twitter is just that broken because this looks very real. And it was real. And it was. And that's where we leave you today. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow back with economics on tap, 630 in the afternoon, uh, evening on the East Coast, 330 in the afternoon proper uh, here on the mm -hmm. left coast. Drinks news uh, and we'll play some half full, half empty. Also, by the way, just for the record, dry January will be over, so I will be having a beer. Dry January is over, but since I didn't do any economics on tap during Dry January, yes. I'm still going to have a mocktail oh, just wow. All right. on general okay. principle. All right. uh, and as always, we love hearing you, mocktail or cocktail suggestions. Or what did we end up landing on calling them? Well, I, um, I like spirit-free uh, cocktails. You liked uh, Cleverage. 
it's it's fun, but I don't know that I would deploy it. It, like, it, in it, it, it doesn't like roll off the tongue though, cleverage. Because yeah. you got to well, think about so, it. You know. Yeah. So if you have suggestions for what we should call them uh, or anything else that you want to share with us, uh, we love hearing from you. So you can send us your thoughts, questions, suggestions, recipes, whatevs. We're at 508-UB-SMART and at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Oh, nice sneak on the theme music there, mm-hmm. J.C. Bold. J.C. Bold is that. in the house. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by J.C. Bold. Our intern is Antonio Barreras. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter and keeps me up to date on, quote, Pope content. Our religion uh, Marissa Cabrera, yes. <laughs> Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We should say Bridget was in charge today, as you yes, heard at the she beginning. she was in charge. That's right. That, that's why the <laughs> beginning was so messed up, just for the record. It was Bridget's fault. Yeah, it's not our fault. That has to stay in. Do not cut that part. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.